Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, welcome to the final part of our Moving Mountain series. And we've been talking about the fact that we all come face to face with mountains in our life, challenging situations that either cause us to give up, to run back to the past, to lean back into those bad habits, or they present an opportunity for us to trust in God, to have this deep faith in him. And we see these life altering moments come from these challenging mountains that are ahead of us. And so we've, we've seen in the first week how Jesus challenged us to have faith that can move mountains, that our faith in him can actually grow to this powerful place where we see him do impossible things. In the second week, we saw how God actually did something truly impossible in the life of Joshua as he prayed this impossible prayer and God answered and he showed up. This week, we're going to be looking at another story that just challenges us to, to approach our amounts a little bit different, to approach those mountains in our life with, with intentionality and understanding that God wants to do something. And for some of you that have been praying for a long time, or for some of you who've been holding on for a long time, this message is exactly for you. But one of the most important truths about mountains in our life is this, adversity is given, growth is optional. Adversity in our life, it's a given. The, the call from the doctor is going to come. That bad bill coming through the mail out of nowhere, it's, it's going to come. That relationship that's struggling again, it's going to come. That job that you got passed over for, that promotion that you were looking for, that, that update in your rank, it, it's just hit after hit after hit. Adversity is coming. It's a given. But growth is optional. The way that we handle that adversity is so vitally important. And the story that we're going to see today is about a Bible character who just faced the adversity perfectly. He embraced what happened in his life, and he just saw God do incredible, incredible things. If you remember last week, I told you about a time where Moses, he got to the edge of the promised land, and he sent in 12 spies. Ten of these spies came back and they said, listen, it's an amazing place, but we are not ready. The enemy, they're giant. Their walls are huge. We, we can't mess with them. It's just far too great of an obstacle. We are too afraid. But there were two cats who went in and they saw the same exact thing, but they viewed it differently. They saw the adversity as an opportunity to grow an opportunity for the Lord to show himself faithful. They held on to their faith and they said, Moses, don't listen to those guys. They're right. They, the enemy is great. The challenge is great. But our God is so much greater. Like, let's take this on. Let's do this. Unfortunately, Moses listened to the other 10 and the, the Israelite people were too afraid. And so they stayed. But those two guys, the first one we met last week, his name was Joshua. And Joshua ended up being the leader who brought them into the promised land later on after Moses. And, 
And he was the one that actually got to, to face these battles that he was so ready for years prior. But the second guy is this guy named Caleb. And Caleb was just as passionate with Joshua that day to Moses. He's, he's like, Moses, don't give up. God has promised us this. We're holding on to it. And so we're going to look at his story today because I believe it's going to challenge you and inspire you to approach your mountains a little bit different. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me today in Joshua chapter 14. And let's see how this story played out. 14, starting in verse 6. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you just walked on will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God. These, these verses here are the key ones for today. So starting in verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I am 85 years old. <laughs> verse 11, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and still fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. I love this guy. I love this. So today I want to share with you three leadership truths that we find from Caleb's story. Three ways that you and I can approach our mountains and, and understand what God is wanting to do through our lives. And the first one is this. Caleb teaches us to never give up on God's promises. Look at that verse 10 again. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. Caleb held on to his faith for 45 years. Guys, don't miss that. For 45 years. Some of us, we can't hold on to the promise that God has given us for 45 days. And worse, some of us for 45 minutes, we feel God speak to us in the service and it's like 45 minutes later and we're like, uh, God, where's your, your end of the bargain here? Like, where are you at? Well, I guess you didn't show up. Me and my wife got in another fight on the way home. So I guess all this stuff I heard in church isn't real. Caleb held on for 45 years. Could you imagine that kind of faith? Caleb understood that faith is believing that God is going to show up one way or another. For 45 years, he held on to the fact that, well, God, you promised me this land. You, you promised it through Moses. You, you promised that I'd stay strong, and I'm still strong. Like, what's going on here? But hey, listen, I trust you. I still have faith that one day 
my moment to take that land is still going to come. God, I still trust you. I love the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4 as he's speaking to the young man that he's mentoring. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Is that our story? Is that the way that we can describe how we trust and hold on to God's promise? The challenge for us in this is how many promises from God have you given up on because it hasn't happened yet? How many promises have you given up on that God has in store for you? God spoke to you in a service. God spoke to you in your prayer time. God spoke to you through a scripture. God spoke to you some way, and you felt so confident that God was speaking to you through all the noise, and you heard it so clearly, but it hasn't happened yet. Or life isn't playing out the way that you thought it would, and you just think, well, God, I guess you're not holding up your end. I guess you're, you're not doing what you said you would do. We get so just frustrated with God's timing sometimes that we just feel like he's not even working at all, that he's not doing anything at all. And if I can just be transparent with you, I've done this far more times than I'd care to admit that I just get frustrated with God's timing. And so I just put my hands on it and I just want to do something. I just want to make something happen. I just I just want to see something in front of me happen. And I try to take control because God's timing doesn't line up with my timing. It's not that I give up on God's promise, but I try to speed up the process, right? Because I, I, I confuse activity with productivity. I confuse busyness and things happening as, okay, well, that's, that's productivity. That's something happening. And God's like, when has that ever worked? Like, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're actually accomplishing anything. Haven't you found that to be true in your life? You're, you're working hard, you're spinning your wheels, you're going as fast as you can. You have those days where you're just all over the place. You know, people describe it as like a chicken with your head cut off. You're just running around all over, all over. And at the end of the day, you sit down and you feel like, did I do anything today? Did I accomplish anything today? Activity doesn't equate to productivity. God is saying, listen, if you trust me, if you trust my promise, it may not look like I'm doing something right now. You may not feel it, you may not see it, but I'm working, I am doing what I promised. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we just sit back and, and lay back and do nothing? Let's look at this second lesson we learned from Caleb. Caleb was diligent at remaining ready for his moment. He was ready for his moment. Verse 11, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Caleb didn't allow himself to slip into apathy and disappointment. Caleb wasn't sitting in his tent for 45 years going, all right, I'm just laying up here until my promise comes. Throw me another beer, beer number six today. Like, I'm just chilling. I'm just waiting for the Lord to show up. He said he was going to do it, and uh, I mean, I guess he's going to do it. No, he remained ready. How? 
Do you think he was just laid up in a tent, just chilling for 45 years? He says, I am as strong now as I was then. How does that happen? It's because he was active. He was working. He was, he was preparing himself. Caleb understood that preparation comes before the promise. Preparation comes before the promise. So Caleb remained faithful. He stayed active. He worked hard. He did his crunches. He did his push-ups. Like he was strong. He was prepared for whenever God said, hey, the moment is now. It just happened to be that he waited 45 years, but he remained prepared for the promise because he understood that preparation comes before the promise. I love the words in Proverbs 20. If you ever want something that just like challenges you, a daily nugget of wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. It's so good, uh, but it has a little sarcastic tinge to it. Proverbs verse, chapter 20, verse 4. If you're too lazy to plant seed, it's too bad when you have no harvest on which to feed. In other words, it's a you problem. If you're too lazy to plant seed, don't come cry to me when you don't have a harvest. Don't come cry to me when everybody else has something and you were too lazy to actually put some effort into it. God's not telling us to just sit back and do nothing. He's asking us not to try to take control, but he wants to actively be preparing us. I love, I love this. It, it almost sounds like a kid's story, and I think I'm going to read it to my kids as they're growing up because it's, it's a great challenge to us. Proverbs 6, starting in verse 6. When you're feeling lazy, come and learn a lesson from this tale of the tiny ant. Yes, all you lazy bones, come learn from the example of the ant and enter into wisdom. The ants have no chief, no boss, no manager. No one has to tell them what to do. You'll see them working and toiling all summer long, stockpiling their food in preparation for winter. So wake up, sleepyhead. How long will you lie there? When will you wake up and get out of bed? Some of you with teenagers, you need to like plaster that across the top of their bedpost, right? Verse 10, if you keep nodding off and thinking, I'll do it later, or say to yourself, I'll just sit back a while and take it easy. Just watch how the future unfolds. By making excuses, you'll learn what it means to go without. Man, that, that'll preach there. By making excuses, you'll learn what it means to go without. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and move in as your roommate for life. Those are some powerful, challenging words. God is not calling us to be apathetic, to be lazy, to not be active in what it is that he's doing. He's just saying, hey, don't take control. Let me handle it. But you keep working, keep looking at what it is that I'm trying to do. But you and I, what happens is, is that we allow the preparation to cause us to give up. We think because God hasn't answered yet that he's not going to answer at all. Because God hasn't shown up how we thought he would, well, then he's just not going to show up at all. And we get frustrated with the process. We get frustrated with the preparation. And we feel like the preparation is holding us back from the promise. And all along, God's going, don't you understand? I'm trying to take care of you. But none of us like to be in the waiting room. None of us like to be waiting on the other side of the door, just hoping for it to open. One of the most frustrating things in the world for me is to go to the doctor. 
because it makes absolutely no sense to me. I set an appointment for two o'clock. I show up at 1.45 early for my appointment. And at 2.45, I may just be possibly going through the door. And it's like, why did I make an appointment? Every other appointment in my life, when I set it for two o'clock, guess what time it starts? Two o'clock. What is this waiting room process? And, and I think so many times we translate that same waiting to our relationship with God. That we feel like we're in God's waiting room and it's like, we're just wasting time. I'm just sitting here. I can't read any more 14-year-old magazines. Like, what are we doing in this waiting room? And so what we do, if you're anything like me, is we just start kicking on whatever door we can find, right? We're just trying to kick a door open so that we can just get to the promise faster. But so many times we miss that our waiting rooms are because we're not ready for what's on the other side of the door. You see, God, as the good father that he is, he wants us to be successful when we step through that door. God wants us to experience the blessing. He doesn't want to sit back and watch us fail. He doesn't want to throw us to the wolves and go, oh, yeah, I promised this to you. So you're unprepared. You're unqualified. You have no clue what's going to happen. You have no way. Yeah, just go. Just go. You're, you, you're fine. You got it. Right? Like, that's not what God wants to do in our life. He's preparing us in the waiting room. He's working on us. But far too often, we want him to change all the situations around us. And he's going, I really just want to work on you. I want you to find those areas where you're weak. I want you to learn more about your strengths. I want you to understand the importance of depending on me. Hold on just a little bit longer and understand that preparation comes before the promise. And what we have to understand is, is that what God is working on is he's, he's working on us. Those of us who are leaders, which I consider everyone who has a pulse to be a leader, you have a responsibility and you have an influence on the people around you. You're a leader. The greatest way for us to show our ability to lead other people is our ability to lead ourselves. If you and I can't lead ourselves, how could we possibly lead others? We've all been around that leader who they're fun, they're, they're cool to hang out with, but like, man, they're a mess. They're a mess on the inside. They're a mess mentally. They're a mess with their family. They're a mess. Like, it's just chaos. But it's like, but they're really talented. They've got skills. They, they should be able to lead. They've, they've got the potential. But because they can't lead themselves, they struggle to lead others. And I wonder how many times God is saying, hey, I need you to stay here just a little bit longer so you can learn to lead yourself. You can learn how to, to understand yourself, to understand what I'm trying to do inside of you. I can be real with you. For me as a pastor, I understand that I can only share with you what I feel like God is working on in me. Like if, if I'm just sharing stuff that I'm reading randomly in the Bible and it's nothing that's actually happening and he's working on in me and in my life, it's just not going to land the same way. It's not going to sound authentic. It's not going to feel real. What I like to share with you is things that I feel like God is speaking to me. And I believe that it's impacting your life. 
the same way for us as leaders, if we can't lead ourselves, it's a really challenging place to try to lead others. The last point that I want to challenge you with today from Caleb's life is that Caleb viewed his challenges as an opportunity. He viewed his challenges as an opportunity. Look at verse 12. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. If the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Caleb wasn't afraid of his mountain. Caleb wasn't cowering in fear. He wasn't just concerned about how he was going to take it on. Caleb was confident that God was with him. He didn't view his challenges as this thing that was going to hold him back. He viewed them as an opportunity. I wonder what would happen in our lives if we approached our challenges as opportunities. I wonder what would happen in our life if instead of running from our mountains, instead of dreading them, instead of just climbing up them as slow as possible, just complaining the whole way up, I wonder what would be different in our life if we embraced our mountains the way that Caleb did. God, I see this mountain in front of me. Give me that mountain. I know you're fighting for me. I know that you're with me. Let's take this on. For some of you, it's your marriage. It's your relationship. Man, it just feels like every time you turn around, you're having the same struggle, the same challenge, the same issues, the same argument, and just over and over and over again. And you're at the point where you just want to give up. And I want to encourage you. I just want to challenge you, those of you who are walking through this in your marriage, in your relationships, that maybe the challenge that's in front of you, you need to view it as an opportunity, an opportunity to fight a little bit harder, an opportunity to surrender a little bit more, an opportunity to humble yourselves to a place where you say, God, I need you more than I need them. And as you work on me, I believe you're going to heal something between us. I wonder what would happen in your marriage if instead of dreading every time you had to have a conversation, you embraced it. You said, God, that's the relationship that you give me. God, that's the wife that you've put in my life. God, that's the husband that was created for me. So God, I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to embrace this challenge. I'm going to embrace the hard moments. I'm going to embrace the frustration and I'm going to put my arms around it and I'm going to climb this mountain and say, God, I believe you put this relationship into relationship in my life for a reason. So I am going to take it on with everything that I have in me. I'm going to humble myself and I am going to say, God, give me my mountain. God, give me my marriage. God, give me my children. God, give me that relationship because I'm believing that you put it in my life for a reason. What would happen if we started to embrace our challenges as opportunities? I love the Apostle Paul. He reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Verse 16, so no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We believe we're being renewed every single 
day through our relationship with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is renewing us from the inside out. That every day, every moment that we have breath in our lungs is an opportunity for us to put our arms around what God has placed in our life. Some of you are angry because of where you're at in life, and, and Caleb had every right to be angry. For 45 years, he waited. For 45 years, he had proof of his leaders failing him. He was promised this land. He should have been given it. But for 45 years, he was told, no, not yet. For 45 years, he prayed, and God said, no, not yet. For 45 years, how many times did he look out into the land as they were in a battle or as he was sitting in his tent resting after a battle? And he could see that mountain in the distance. And he would think to himself, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's the land God promised me and my descendants. That's, that's where my family is supposed to be. But what, what are we doing here? Like, how long do I have to wait for that promise to come true? For 45 years, he remained faithful and he fought hard. He had every right to be angry, but we understand that anger isn't a good fuel. Anger isn't a good fuel because it only gives you the strength to destroy, not to build up. Anger is not something that you want to hold on to to try to fuel you to be better. We hear it all the time in, in athletes. Uh, I listen to all the bad press, all the critiques about me, and it just fuels me to be better. It's like, no, it just fuels you to hit people harder. It doesn't make you better. Anger isn't something that you hold on to and use it as a fuel in order for you to try to build something up. It only fuels you to destroy. There has to be a greater motivation than that. Caleb wasn't angry. He just was simply unwilling to give up on the promise that God had given him. Are you angry? Are you unwilling to give up on what God has promised you. You have to look at your life and go, what do, what do I wanna fuel myself with? What am I gonna to allow to be driving me forward? Is it gonna be God's promise? Is it my faithfulness to him? Is it my hope for the future? Or do you wanna hang on to that anger of, of what you could have, should have had? Hold on to that anger of how you were treated and someone was treated better. Anger on how you give and you give and you give and people just take and take and take. What are you going to be fueled by? What are you going to do when the challenge comes to you? Are you going to be angry and attack? Are you going to be just shut down and afraid? Are you going to embrace the challenge in front of you and say, God, I see this moment as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to shine your light. It's an opportunity for you to prove your faithfulness, God. God, there's another opportunity for me to put my trust in you. As we wrap up this Moving Mountain series, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself. When we come face to face with that mountain in our life, we need to have an attitude like Caleb. That says, God, I'm not going to run from it. God, it doesn't matter how long it takes, but give me my mountain. God, I know you're fighting for me. God, I know you're fighting with me. I am heading towards this challenge and viewing it as an opportunity for you to show yourself strong. 
What would happen in your life if instead of running from the challenges you're facing right now, this season, this moment, what if you said, God, I'm gonna wrap my arms as far around this mountain as I possibly can and embrace it and say, God, you are gonna show yourself strong in this. You're gonna prove your faithfulness. You're gonna do the miraculous. You're gonna do the impossible. God, you're gonna do a work inside of me even if the situation didn't change immediately. God, you're gonna do something inside of me that I know will be a lasting impact. What would happen in your life if you viewed your mountains the same way Caleb did? God, give me my mountain. I'm not giving up. I'm going to press on. I believe as we do that, we will see God do miraculous, impossible things in your life. I believe God will do a work within you that will prepare you for the promises he has for you. Don't run from the preparation. Don't try to kick down every door in the waiting room like me at the urgent care. Allow God to do what it is he needs to do in your life. And in the meantime, lead well. Humble yourself. Lead with, with honesty and transparency. And allow the Lord to take that time of waiting to prepare you perfectly for the promise ahead. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray right now. I know that there are some people who are hearing these words that they've been praying for years for you to show up. They've been praying and holding on to a promise. They've been holding on to what it is that you, you have spoken to them. And so, God, right now, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage of Caleb, that you would strengthen their bones, that you would strengthen their heart, that you would strengthen their faith, that they could say that I'm as strong now as I was then when you first spoke these words. God, I am ready to step into your promise, but I'm also willing to take the preparation. God, I pray that you would just allow us to see your hand at work. For those who are in that waiting room, the exhausting, the disappointing, the frustrating, waiting room. God, I pray that you would encourage their spirit, that you would speak to their souls, that you're not holding them back from something incredible, but you're preparing them for the promise that you have. God, speak so clearly into their life. Encourage them and strengthen them. And God, I pray for all of us that as we come face to face with mountains in our life, God, that we would have the audacity to believe that we can take that mountain. The enemy may look great, the challenge may look great, but that the, the mountain in front of us is not bigger nor greater than you, God. And so we hold on to the fact that you will be with us, that you are fighting for us, and that you will accomplish your will and your plan and your promise through our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.